With thanks to the city of Brimbank across our neighbourhood and the world, the Sports Hour with Max Hadzoglu on Brimbank Live on Live FM. It's my pleasure to welcome Executive Manager of Growth and Inclusion at Football Victoria, Karen Pierce. Welcome to the Sports Hour. How are you going? Very well, thanks, Max. How are you? Good, thank you. And uh, thanks again for coming on uh, the show. It's uh, it's great to have someone on the show that's uh, involved in sport and works for an organisation. So thanks for that. And um, can you tell us a little bit about your role at Football Victoria? Yeah, my role, I actually came on board in June 2019 as the Executive Manager of Women and Girls. So my focus was predominantly um, driving the, the growth strategy for women and girls. And then by about December 2019, my role expanded. So I now look after the diversity and inclusion space. So that, that's all the multicultural, um, Aboriginal, women and girls, all abilities, um, all of that role, um, PLBT plus, and then also the clubs uh, under Megan Mayman, so including um, the women and girls still. So pretty big portfolio, but lots and lots and lots of work to do. Yeah, that's um, covering a lot of different aspects there. So um, that's awesome. And it's Harmony Week as well, uh, which is part of the reason why we, we, we thought uh, and we, we, it's great that you're on um, during this week um, as, you're in, as your role is uh, in growth and inclusion. Uh, can you tell us how COVID-19 and the pandemic has sort of impacted all, all that and, and sort of, um, you know, the business and, and trying to continue running the game of football um, while the pandemic has happened? Yeah, devastating for the world, really. It's just, um, and I think we're still in that hesitant stage of, you know, are we emerging or are we not? So we closed the the office uh, in March last year, 2020, and um, didn't really know how long it was going to last and, you know, what we were going to do and, and unfortunately had to move staff um, in and out of, of their role. Um, throughout the year, including the executive team, even the CEO was um, on stand down for a while. So yeah. we were trying to still um, get fixtures up and going because you know we thought it was going to get people were going to get back on the pitch, and so we had the the competition team working frantically in that space, just refixturing when they knew there was an opportunity coming up, which obviously didn't happen. So. Um, financially, it's impacted football critically. So um, the exciting part is that we are re-emerging now. I yep. remember when we were locked down here in Victoria last year and thinking to myself, how is sport ever going to bounce back from this? And is sport going to, to still emerge the way it always has or is it going to emerge from a local level and then what's the role of a state sporting association and even a national sporting organisation? Like, what is our role going to be? Is it totally going to flip sport on its head or or are we just going to bounce back like we always have? So it was really interesting um, to see. I think what, we're, what we've got now is still a lot of community still hesitant 
about registering, which is making it extremely difficult for our competition team to be doing their fixtures. But we're out on the pitch. I was down at Glen Ira today at the um, launch of their women and girls teams. And, you know, it just felt, apart from it was pouring with rain, but it just felt normal. You know, it was it was yeah. great to be back, and you know, hopefully, we get full seasons up and going. And if not, then how do we how do we think differently in the sporting landscape? We've got um, boys and girls FC cups on next weekend, so that's in um, Bendigo, I think it is. So a whole lot of teams registered for that, which is extremely exciting. So. I think if we get past things like that, we can look at it and say, yep, football's back. The good thing in the women and girls part is I wrote a women and girls strategy late 2019. And part of that was was talking about how we can grow women and girls because it's drastically low. It sits on about 9% for referees, around 10% for coaches, only about 22% for female players. We only have 38 female presidents out of 364 clubs. So the rates are really, really low. So part of what I wrote about was changing the concept of the, well, not not changing the traditional model of football, but reigniting other aspects of football to re-engage women and girls in different ways so they can move in and out of the pathway whenever they want to. And a lot of that was written around social activation. So I look at COVID and I say, towards the end of last year, we started to roll out a few social activations at Clubland just to get people back on the pitch, just a one day, a weekend, whatever it was. And I sat back and went, gee, that happened pretty good. That was was pretty easy to get that done. Whereas I think if COVID hadn't happened making change to anything takes time so i look at it COVID as being a bit of an opportunity for the women and girls space and yeah. um let's see how it goes from there yeah and i was going to ask you um obviously um you know you get the the uh, disadvantages from COVID because it stops the game but um you know i was going to ask you about some of the positives and it's great to hear that um you know that they were able to um, be some you know big turnouts um, in community events after COVID and sort of that um, restrain restraining people from not being able to play and then after COVID people are able to um, so that's great to hear um, I was going uh, and along with that how, how much of an impact has um, sort of the the Women's World Cup in 2023 um, is going to be staged in Australia and New Zealand which will be a massive boost uh, are there sort of plans coming up for around that time um, and sort of working out ways to to even expand the game in, in the women's side even more during that yeah, period? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, what happened, you know, it was uh, end of June, I think it was June 26, 2020, when the announcement was made. And, you know, Australia and New Zealand and, you know, lots and lots of people around the world went crazy. You know, it was the best thing that we'd heard for such a long time that, you know, we got the rights to host the Women's World Cup. And so in the middle of a pandemic, the excitement and the joy around that announcement lasted about a month and then there's no sport, there's no football. Mm. So there's not a lot happening and usually happen with a major announcement like that is just momentum. 
keeps building. So what we have to do is not rewind the clock, but we have to re-emerge that, not the announcement, we can't do that again, but to make sure people are still excited because 2023 is not that far away. It's actually quite daunting when you think of it. Yeah. And we always know research tells us that on the back of any major event in sport, there is a surge of interest. So we have to ensure as part of the legacy of the Women's World Cup that we're ready. We're ready, we're already starting to grow the game and we're ready for the absolute impact post the Women's World Cup that we're expecting of more women and girls and even men and boys who want to play football. So that goes down into you know making sure that we've got enough pitches, facilities, uh, you know, for women and girls, a female-friendly, all, all of that, and that our clubs have the capacity to actually take on more. So does that even, when it gets to that stage, does that mean we start thinking about, you know, that we're not just a seasonal sport? Is there other things that we can do that it's not an off-season but that we become a 12-month-of-the-year sport to actually cope with the growth? So we've now taken on futsal. Futsal's back under our umbrella. That's a massive opportunity just even there in futsal to grow that and and grow levels of that. You know, we're we're looking at the school activations and and how we get into the school grounds and make sure that any, any young child or even, you know, high school kids can actually participate in football even if they can only do it at school because they can't do it out of school hours that we can provide that ability for them. So, you know, I think there's going to be a massive increase in participation over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned futsal there, and I was going to ask, um, you know, about some of the different versions of soccer because everyone probably from the outside sees it as just an outdoor sport, um, you know, played on a, on a full-sized ground. Um, but there's a lot of different aspects like social competitions and disability um, soccer and wheelchair soccer. Um, do you want to explain to us a little bit more about some of those and um, and those projects that are happening? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so we we have all abilities programs. So for anybody with any learning difficulty can participate in um, all abilities football programs. We have power chairs. So for those that are in um, motorised wheelchairs, have the ability to participate in football there. We've just had Western United take a team under their umbrella, which is really exciting. That got announced the other week. Yeah. We're really driving walking football. So that's for the more senior um, citizens of, of Victoria to actually participate in that. And what is really exciting about walking football is it's predominantly older women, and I love that. They're actually the participation rates there are greater for women than they are for men, which is really, really interesting. But underneath that is also uh, the, the, the capacity to run um, competitions in that area but to also just provide it as a social activation. Um, mm. And then, you know, um, we're, we're looking at driving the growth through more through the specialist school system um, again, through school, as I said, school-based sport, um, we've got uh, multicultural mini-ruse programs that we run for uh, new arrivals in through English language schools. We run mm. crime prevention programs for 
um, people that have been usually young adult male, um, but we're looking at driving a, a women's program through the justice system. Um, so, you know, we've really spread our wings to, to cover all communities of Victoria. So, you know, I find it extremely exciting. We can, we can provide opportunities for, you know, little three- and four-year-olds that I do hear get out and, and have a kick around right up until, you know, people well into their 80s and 90s. So there's an opportunity for anyone. You know, we have our soccer mums programs there for mums, you know, usually around, you know, the mid-30s upwards and whether they've ever kicked a ball or not before, there's there's an opportunity for them to socialise and have yeah. a kick around and, you know, adaptive adaptive football is really important and I look at that in the women and girls space and say not every, not every woman or even every girl wants to run around on that big full-size pitch because I know I can't do that but if you can adapt that pitch to me cut it down and cut it down again or give me one of those little pods or give me futsal that isn't as fast as, you know, an A grade, that give me a C grade or a D grade level to get out and have a have a go. Um, yeah. I think that's another way that we'll grow football. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's quite amazing, the list of different uh, events and, like, projects and different versions of the game. Um, so congratulations on that. That's um that's that's a long list, and it's it's great that that's happening. Um, and in terms of uh, the the future and and what's ahead, what are some of the things that um, are really exciting for you, and um, some of the goals that you have uh, for the future of football in Victoria? Um, and obviously, uh, in Victoria, you know, it has an impact on uh, the game at a national level as well. So, um, yeah, do we, we, what are some of those uh, exciting elements uh, and goals? Yeah, well, our biggest strategy that we have is to reach 50-50 gender equity by 2027. It's a massive part of our strategic plan. And I remember when I was first brought on board and I actually laughed and said, gee, I hope that's not a KPI when I started to look at how low the numbers were. Um, So there's a lot of work to do in that space. We run leadership programs for women on committees just to enable them. They know what they're doing. They're there for a reason. But just to provide them with more confidence to actually be stronger around that table that's predominantly sat around by, you know, confident men. Mm. So, you know, if we can start to really impact the low numbers and start to rise towards that 50-50 gender equity, I know I've done a really good job. And if we can start to see the growth of football throughout every single aspect of community, and that is the that is the sport of first choice for people that they're automatically going. I can play on a full size pitch. I I can roll around in my chair. I can be the woman. We've just celebrated International Women's Day, and one of our beautiful volunteers, Lynn Toll, the way that she's been involved in football for thirty years is running the canteen, and they've just named the canteen um, down at Geelong in her honour. It's called the Lynn Toll Canteen. So my strategy is all around um, football her way. So celebrating the fact that anybody can participate in football any way they want. Now, for my strategy, it's it's women and girls relative. But really, if we ultimately look at that we provide an opportunity for anybody to do football the way that they want to and they have the ability to do it where and when they can, I think we've got phenomenal... um, 
outcomes that we can reach in you know the not too distant future to to keep driving the game the best that we can. Absolutely, and um, hopefully the the World Cup in twenty twenty three provides a massive boost for that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 good timing um, to have you involved there at Football Victoria, and um, you know with the World Cup. Um, but uh, th- thanks very much, Karen, for uh, joining the Sports Hour today and sharing your thoughts. Much appreciated. Thanks very much for having me, Max. With thanks to the city of Brimbank across our neighbourhood and the world, the Sports Hour with Max Hadzoglu on Brimbank Live on Live FM.